Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Man, I'm so excited about my four-hour sermon. <sighs> no clock in the back. I think that should probably part of, be part of the, you know, the campaign to no debt and, uh, you know, debt-free in 23 that we get a nice clock back there for Chris and I. He doesn't need it, but oh my, thank you so much, Renee and, and Joaquin. Can we give them a hand for their leadership? Amazing leaders that they are. Yeah, phenomenal. Come on, no golf clap. Wow. And uh, you know, on a personal level, we, I, I know I'm speaking for, for Chris and Candace as well, but we want to thank Stephanie for all the work where she, all the work you put into the conference. Thank you, Stephanie, for hosting us. This Stephanie right here. <laughs> the one that doesn't stand up when you there she goes. <laughs> And, and really, all of the team, you guys are just wonderful. Thank you, Chris, and and entire team for hosting us. And you're all just very, very special. Um, so I want to give away... This, you know, I told our publisher, all the Passion Translation has got girly covers. Can't you get like a... So they have a t we have a Kevlar <laughs> cover out there for the, young, for the young guys. But this is a little more... You know, I would carry this around. This wouldn't bother me. But the lavender one, I'll let, I'll let you guys have that. Oh, you got one, huh? <laughs> okay. Uh, where's my friend? Let's see. Uh, where's my friend? Oh. Well, how can I... How can I not give you this? Would my... Little friend, come up here, please, and I, I want to give this to Yeah, right here. <laughs> come on, bro. <laughs> Woo! Give it up. Thanks, man. Love you, too. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, he's going to Disney World. All right. <laughs> come on. Prophesy. All right. I'll, I'll see you at the Star Wars Pavilion there. <sighs> how many of you, I know this sounds weird, but how many of you really love Jesus? I mean, I don't mean serve him. I don't mean like obey him so much, even though that's part of our love, isn't it? But I'm talking about you really love him. I mean, scandalously. You love him. To where it offends your family. People don't understand why you hang out on an entire, you mean you're going an entire weekend to church? And, uh, I mean, you, you love him so intently and purposefully that you don't want anything else. That's what I so enjoyed about the worship dude up here and the dudettes. The, the worship team and 
Oh. Where is that guy? He's really, he's really anointed. Oh, he's doing a debrief. Well, get him good, Lord. <laughs> Fill him back up so he can take us even deeper tomorrow. Amen. Well, how about I just talk from my heart tonight? I've threatened to give away my iPad. <laughs> I'll sign it <laughs> if you want it. <laughs> Um, I, I've mentioned this already, but w our publishers put together a Passion Translation Masterpiece Edition. even has a big M on there in case you wonder what that is. It's not Mickey. It's Masterpiece. And um, it's got 60 pages of phenomenal artwork from a world-renowned artist by the name of Ron DeCiani. And as I've mentioned before, uh, I pretty much guarantee you have seen his art uh, in different places, uh, but you just didn't put the name on it. But he has spent a lifetime asking God that he could be involved in a translation, that his, his, we'd have a Bible that actually had some of his artwork in it. So he's working now on Old Testament stuff so that we can uh, do that when we put the whole Bible out, but it, it's just a beautiful thing. I, I would give you mine, but I really want it. So we do have some at the book table, right? Thank you, Kirsten and Catherine, for coming from California to help us be a part of our ministry. So if you really love Jesus, I'd like for you to stand in honor of him right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so here's our activation. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> we really are going to do this. Uh, Jesus says, I am gentle, or I'm meek. That's Matthew 11. So one time he talks about himself, his inner being. And he says, I am gentle. That's the Greek word praus, P-R-A-U-S. And it's really the word kind. I am kind. Learn of me. Come learn of me, for I am kind and lowly of heart. And then he says, my yoke is easy or light. And the yoke is not, you know, what, the, the imagery is not like two ox and a yoke, and you're the other ox, and you and he are out plowing somewhere. It's union, the yoke of union, like a marriage Union. He says, my yoke, my expectation of you, my longing for you is delightful. It's easy. It's very easy. What do you love about Jesus? Start now and tell him. Just tell him. Don't seal your lips. It's okay. We can be Koreans here and all say it at the same time. Just tell him. What's the one thing? He's easy to please. He's gentle. I can't count how many times he's forgiven me. He's my strength. He's my hope. He inspires me. He revives my soul. He's tender. He's accessible. 
He's not hard to find. He's not, uh, you know, he's invisible, but yet not. Because I can see him in, your, in his people. I can see him so many ways. In a sunrise, I see him in the drawing of a child with a crayon. So many ways. So I'm the only one doing it, I guess. <laughs> Honestly, the Bible, David says, I will not seal my lips. So there's no duct tape. There's no mask. And, and tell him. Just take a few seconds, take a minute or whatever, and just tell him. That's our response to, to him. Rather than doing it at the end, we're going to do it right here at the beginning of my five-hour sermon. If it gets real quiet, I'll go six hours. Come on, tell him. You're so good to me, Lord. You put shoes on my feet. You've healed me of amoebic dysentery four times. I nearly died of COVID, and you healed me, Jesus. You rescued us from a flood. You healed my daughter when she was dying. You've done so many miracles, God. Let your glory swirl over this house. More, Lord. I love you, Jesus. Okay, if you don't know what to say, just say, I love you. Just say, I'll never forget the first time I said that. I'd been a believer for a couple of weeks, and I said, I love you, Jesus. I was hooked from then on. I love you, Jesus. I love you more than coffee. I love you more than ice cream. I love you more than a day off. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I just love you, Lord. I love you in the morning. I love you in the evening. Mm. Your word is like honey. You're sweet to my soul. Even when you correct me, it's, it's a velvet brick. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You open my eyes when I'm blind and my ears when I can't hear you. Thank you for dreams that show me your heart. Thank you for friends that refresh my life. Thank you for new expressions of your love that come in worship and song and art and poetry dance. Thank you, Lord. Now turn to the person next to you, even if you don't like them, and tell them uh, one of the main reasons why you love Jesus, and then let them tell you. So just, you know, go ahead and just share that with each other. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. All right, you can have a seat, guys. Uh, now, now I got to do all the work, right? <laughs> Okay, so uh, open your Bible to my favorite book in the Bible, please. Turn in your Bible to my favorite book. It's not Leviticus. It's not the book of Hezekiah or Third Queens. So 
it's in most Bibles, it, it would pretty much, you'd open up to it right in the middle. And it's the song of the ages. It's the most amazing song of all. It's not the greatest song of Solomon. It's the greatest song ever. There'll never be a song like it. And if you've heard some of the things I share with you because you've been in other meetings, take another dose. And if you have a, a defense thing that comes up and says, oh, no, one of these divine romance meetings, get over it. Get them, Lord. I've seen the alpha dog males fall on their face before God, snot coming out of their nose, weeping like a child when they understand the intensity of the love of God. I've seen brokenhearted women that have never felt the genuine, pure love of a father or of a, of a friend, of a bridegroom, and seen them transform. This is the greatest, most powerful book in all the Bible. It's in the middle of the Bible to get in the middle of you. And there has to be a demon assigned from hell itself to keep you from reading it and to keep you and many Christians from understanding it. The two books in the Bible, people say to me all the time, the two most or least understood books in the Bible are my two favorite books in the Bible. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, the last book of the Bible, the Antichrist, the word Antichrist is not in that book. So you've really done an injustice when you stick Antichrist where, he's not, where he doesn't belong. People get so upset with me when I take away their Antichrist. You know, they go, oh, oh, okay, okay, you can keep him. Just, you say, but, but, but who is the Antichrist? Well, just look in the mirror sometime, and every time you oppose Jesus Christ. But what, wait, wait, what about the man of sin that stands in the temple and says, I am God? Well, what if that's a little mistranslated verse that is actually the sin of man? in the temple saying I'm going to rule my life see a difference see what a difference a translation makes oh but there's going to be a temple rebuilt in Jerusalem and the Antichrist is going to come and make everybody sacrifice there what? it's not in the Bible And if there is if there is a rebuilt temple God will have nothing to do with it. He tore one down, and he really did a good job. I mean, have you been there? Come and, come and I'll show you rocks. I'll show you stones. People say, when they come to Israel with us, they say, is it okay to take rocks home with us? I said, take all you want. They'll love you for it. There's plenty here. <laughs> if the temple's going to be rebuilt, who's going to sew up the veil again? Two rooms or three? You're going to offer animal sacrifices when the book of Hebrews makes it clear that once for all, I mean, it's an obsolete system that it's a house he left and he ain't going back. He left the building. Acts says he does not dwell in buildings made with hands. So uh, we love God and we thank him for this building. But the temple is already here and it's sitting in your chair. You, you and I individually are the temple and corporately we are the temple so we're the dwelling place anyway i got to get over to song of songs so the book of revelation needs to be re-examined and 
with a lens, a love lens that is, well, rather than go that, I'll give you the love lens tonight, okay? And this I, I have received from the Lord, and what I've received from him, I give to you tonight. And he's told me that this was not only part of my life calling, but it's, it's going to change radically the entire body of Christ when it's received. And it's just simply the bridal theology, a love theology. Man, you need some of this. I mean, it's, you need a lot of it. You're not looking that great. I mean, you really need... You, <laughs> do you want your face to be the cover page for the book of Lamentations? I mean, is that, is that what you're shooting for? <laughs> what if you got so blissed, I mean blessed, that you, I, I mean, you become, what did we sing? A living sacrifice, right? Did you know that the Greek is not a living sacrifice? It's a living martyr. It's a living martyr. That's what Isaac was, right? Abraham offered him, but he got to live. He was a living sacrifice or a living martyr. You see, we are, have already been crucified with Christ. We are dead to the world and the world to us. So we don't have to fear death anymore because our champion came out of the grave. And those that love not their lives into the death will will go anywhere and do anything and say what he tells them to say and do what he, what he tells them to do without the intimidation of, of men. So the key is receiving first love. We read the book of Revelation. It says, come back to your first love, right? Well, your first love is that he loved you. That's first love. Because he first loved us. We love him. So coming back to our first love is receiving more of this great love. You guys okay in this Mennonite church tonight? <sighs> so I don't know if it's the theme of divine romance or if it's the first verse that talks about the kissy stuff that turns people off. And if, if, if you want to make it the sexualization of one of Solomon's illicit affairs, okay, but I'm not going there. And I can, with great authority, I can prove to you that the Song of Songs is not erotica. You know, get the kids out of the room, you know, and let's, let's talk about it. No. <sighs> Because I talked about it with my wife. I said, honey, what would you say to me if I told you your, your hair is like a flock of goats? <laughs> and your, your neck is like the Tower of David. <laughs> and you got a thousand shields on your neck. And your nose is... And your belly <laughs> is a mound of wheat. A lot of gluten stuff in there. <laughs> There's not a woman in this room that would be moved by that. Oh, stop. Oh. <laughs> right? So don't try it at home, guys. No worky. <laughs> Roses, you know, steak dinners, you know, do the dishes, 
let her do her hair and nails. That's the key in my marriage. <laughs> I mean, hair and nails and, and, you know, take the trash out and, yes, dear. That, oh my, that's the sweet spot in our house. Mm. If you need help with that, go get help. But uh, it, it just, you know, go back through church history. If you don't believe me, that's all right. Go back through church history. And the earliest commentaries, the earliest teachings you will find by the patristic fathers, the, the, our, our church fathers, will be teachings on the Song of Songs. And we have, uh, we have lots of uh, teaching from the church fathers. It's the one common thread they all taught, and many of them translated themselves from Augustine even f uh, further back. They, they translated the Song of Songs because they were inebriated in the love of God. <laughs> they were, they were, they, they, they believed that the love of God was the key. This was before they had Ephesians, before they had Romans, before a completed canon was, was done in the, you know, third into the fourth century. In that first and second century of the church, the earliest writings we have, let him kiss me. And they just go on and on and on for pages and pages and pages on that one verse. And then they talk about his kisses are sweeter than wine, better than wine. You see, the metaphoric, allegorical teaching of the Song of Songs is going to unlock bridal theology in the body of Christ. So I was with a bunch of apostles the other day hot dogs, all of them. And they said, you know, we love you, Brian. You're, we like the stuff you're doing and da-da-da. But you know, you, when you do the Song of Songs, it's like you're feminizing. And we're, you're feminizing the church. We're supposed to be mighty warriors. We're, we've got to raise up church planting, butt kick, devil kicking champions, fearless. I said, Amen. But Jesus isn't coming back for a husband. And the last teaching, the first miracle, you know, before he overturned the tables, he went to a wedding. I think that's powerful. He went from a wedding to, you know, kicking the money changers out of the temple in John 2. You can look at it yourself. But he, his ministry started. His first miracle that revealed his glory was at a wedding. What's that about? Well, it's about a lot of stuff. The six stone jars, they weren't clay because that would defile them. They were waters of purification. Perhaps they would be used in hand, ritual hand washing or whatever, but they were stone jars full of water. That's the six, the number of man. It's who we are. It's our religious attempt to get to God. And Jesus just Turned it into wine. Made quite a party. Nobody really knew it except the, the guys that were pouring, uh, you know, the stewards or whatever you call them. Sommelier. Or, they, they were the ones that saw the miracle. Well, the water of your theology has to become the wine of the glorious love of Jesus. Because the word kiss in the Hebrew, nashak, is the word take a drink of wine.
Hebrew is a homonymic language. You can look it up. But it's a language of 7,500 words. Biblical Hebrew has 7,500 words. I don't know if you're listening, but that is such a small amount of vocabulary. Contemporary Hebrew is a quarter of a million words. So how did biblical Hebrew, which nobody speaks today, people want to know if I speak biblical Hebrew. I said, nobody does. We study it. It's a dead language. And I'm learning contemporary Hebrew every time I go to Israel. I know how to say bathroom. I know how to say food and stuff like that. Yala, yala. That's get going. We're all on the bus. Yala, yala. So what made the difference between 7,500 words and a quarter of a million Hebrew words? Vowels. They were added in the 8th century A.D. by the Masoretes. Uh, the Masoretic text was the Hebrew manuscripts with vowel markings added so that the rabbis wouldn't have to keep pulling out their hair trying to figure out what the text is because there's no, there's no punctuation, there's no vowel. It's just... And they read it from right to left. It's, it's a Rubik's Cube to, to study biblical Hebrew. Even the modern-day rabbis will, will tell you that, that it's a, it's a mystery. There's so much to it. So every word, virtually every word, has another meaning to it. And sometimes the words are similar, and other times they're quite distinct. God wants to baptize you in a love theology that will change you. Your wife will like you. Your boss will promote you. Doors will open for you when you're baptized in the love of God. God has a plan to make you more loving than you want to be. And he's working even now. And the way he does it is not angry exhortations, guilt-driven, oppressive teachings of yagadas. But it's, it's virtually a crown he puts on your head. And it sure doesn't fit. But he watches you grow up to fit it. And he calls things that are not before they are. He sees the end from the beginning, and he treats you, and he sees you as you will be forever in his presence. He deals with you right now like you will be with him 100 years from now. But he sees you that way now, and that lens is over his heart, and he's not about to put a heavy yoke on you. He's not about to hurt you, injure you. The most trustworthy individual in the universe. I mean, dude, he's got it tattooed on his leg faithful and true it's what every bride wants in a bridegroom and Jesus is that, that ultimate fiery I mean we sang it but now God wants to embed it in, into your soul that in your weakness he calls you delightful. He relishes every opportunity you give him to be with him. There is a fascination in his heart about your worship. Because Song of Songs, chapter 4, it, it, you know, he says, you've ravished my heart. 
ravish his heart. What in the world is that? How can a, a, a fallen, weak, dorky, that, that's Hebrew, human being, <laughs> ravish the heart of God? How, what, uh, what are you talking about? Nobody can move his heart, right? Well, a bride can. I don't care the most difficult to get along with male in this room can still be, his heart can still be moved by his wife. Wives, you have secret powers you know not of. <laughs> Wonder wife. You have the ability to, to move him. I mean, I know it's slow sometimes. Honey, this is the third time. I'm telling you. But there, there, it is the same with, with Jesus. He's moved by his bride. He's voluntarily made his heart vulnerable to us. I mean, think about it. To ravish his heart, libabthini is the Hebrew word. Whatever, uh, labab is heart, libabthini. So we do something to his heart. I've made probably I don't know, almost a decade-long study of this, of even of this word. Searching out, what does this mean? I want to know, what do I do to your heart? And you can look at all these translations, and they're all good. You, you've ravished my heart. You've stolen my heart. You, you know, here's, here's one I really like. You make my heart skip a beat. I need a pacemaker around you. I have holy arrhythmia when I come into your presence. And this is him talking about us. One glance. Everybody say, one glance. One glance of your eyes and you ravish his heart. Just a glance. That'll make you come on time for worship. You know, so, uh, well, uh, they go so long, I'll come in. Uh, well. No. That's why we're here. Are we... Sometimes I come into a church and they, they say, well, we, we we're going we to have a communion today, but uh, knowing that you're coming, we, we want to give you all the time. I said, forget me. Let's do communion. Uh, will you lead it? I love leading communion. I think I'm going to tomorrow, right? Is that, that's the rumor has it. But whatever we do to his heart, I want to know what it is. So I, I don't know that I'm entirely finished in my search, but here's where I land right now. The Catholic Bible actually probably has the most precise meaning because the, as I've traced this back, it, it's literally you pull the bark off of my heart. You, you pull the bark off. That's what you do to me. Is, and, and the implication, if you pull the bark off of a tree, is you make that, you wound it. And there's some translations that say, you have wounded me with your love. I mean, to think that God, the Lord Jesus, but here's the deal. We forget he's a human. We forget he is a human being. You don't minimize the deity of Christ when you exalt the humanity of Christ. And the evangelical world gets a little mixed up with this. And they, they don't want to get very close to the humanity because, oh, you know, Jesus working miracles in his humanity but he's God, of course. There's not a dotted line, you know, half God, half man. He's the 200% human being. 
But the, the issue is if you don't see him as a man, you, you, uh, you don't want to get very close. But as you see him as the most appealing, winsome, glorious, kind, easy to please, I want to be your friend, man, then we jump over the hurdles and we say, hi, Jesus, I love you. Well, I've been waiting for you. You see, you've been ravishing my heart for the last 10 years of your worship, and now I get to tell you face to face. So the Douay version translates that you have made my heart vulnerable. And then chapter 6 goes even deeper. It says, chapter 6, verse 5, it says, turn your eyes from me. I can't take it anymore. I can't resist the passion of these eyes that I adore. Overpowered by a glance, my ravished heart undone, held hostage by your love, I'm truly overcome. Turn your eyes from me. I can't take it anymore. I can't resist the passion of these eyes that I adore. Overpowered by a glance, my ravished heart undone, held hostage by your love, I'm truly overcome. That word overcome is the word Rahab. It's the only other place it occurs in the Old Testament. You have Rahabbed my heart. She was an overcomer. That chick had to overcome a lot. What the other ladies of Jericho thought of her? Somebody says, well, she was actually an innkeeper. She wasn't one of those gals. She was just an innkeeper. That's not what it says, dude. It's with benefits. <laughs> and it really clear, James makes it really clear in the, in the New Testament that she was a harlot. But she overcame her obstacles. She overcame unbelief, overcame the spirits that were operating in Jericho at that time. She was an overcomer. She's the biblical example of, of she that overcomes. You have Rahabbed my heart. How's it feel to ravish the heart of Jesus right now? Not when you get to heaven. Not when you die and you glow in the dark and wings sprout on your back. and ah. Now. Right now. I mean... Messed up, don't know what you're going to be doing this next week. You don't drive right. You burp at the table. You do all, I mean, right now. That he, he says, you, you conquer me. You've conquered my heart. Nobody conquers Jesus. Nobody. Not demons, not principalities. Put them all together. They cannot combine, exert enough power to top the power of the Lord Jesus, Yeshua. But you do, with a glance, one, one, uno, solamente, uno, glancio, uno. If you conquer someone that no one can conquer, if you conquer a conqueror, that would make you more than a Through him who loved us. Pauline theology, the artery of it, goes right back into the Song of Songs. 
If you divorce the Song of Songs from Pauline theology and the historical narrative of the Old Testament, you have removed the heart of the Bible. I mean, why in the world did God put the Song of Songs in the Bible? Just to confuse us? No, to romance us. You're wired for this. Don't, don't, don't get starched on me. You are wired for this. Mm-hmm. And God has the key to unlock thee. He knows the way into your heart and your spirit. And he's sprinkled the breadcrumbs to find that path inside of you. And it is the language of love. Why do we Western Christians, you know, cringe when we hear the saying, God is love? And we want to put a big footnote there. Want to put a big butt there. You know, well, don't take it too far. You know, God doesn't say don't take love too far. It's impossible for you to take love too far. Honestly, folks, you cannot OD on what the Bible says against these things. There is no law. There is no boundary. There's not a prohibition. I'm not going to rebuke you and say you're too loving. You need some hate in there. No, it'll never happen. Be the first human being on the earth that loves too much, I dare you. I mean, John was the apostle of love, right? And many believe that he, he, he died in Ephesus, and he was, um, you know, he was so weak in his latter days that the last recorded saying of John the apostle, I say recorded, but not in the Bible. This is extra biblical sources. Church fathers say that he was carried in on a mat, too weak to stand, too frail in his old age. All he could do was to lean on an elbow and, and, and say the words, little children love one another. Can you imagine if Bethel Austin was the lovingest place in the city? I mean, that we forget tolerating, loving, loving without wanting something in return. Like loving before the offering. Let's love the daylights into Austin. Let's sing the sweetest song ever composed. May the mentoring of the women be focused on the Song of Songs and get so radically wrecked that the men begin to study it. I have a few dreams in my heart. Every man does. I have a dream of completing the Bible and it, it touching and impacting the world, the English-speaking world. I have a dream of of a, a Mandarin passion translation that I, I hope to have a, a, cons, a consultant role in. I have a dream of Portuguese, Portuguese, and we've already started Espanol and, and uh, Malaysia. They didn't even wait for permission. They've already done it. Indonesia. I go to Indonesia. Bill and I and, and Sean Boltz, we're doing this conference, and they put up on the screen the passion translation in Indonesian. 
I thought, oh, weren't you supposed to ask permission? Or that? I got over in about two seconds. But in Korea, they've got the Passion Translation. I really think that's a dream I have. I have a dream of my family, and I so loved Pastor Chris's message this morning, or was it? Yeah, this morning, about leaving a legacy. That was so good. And that's a similar dream I have. Maybe small cars and cheaper cars, but I have a dream. No. But I also have a dream. Well, actually... I do want to buy them houses before, before you and Kathy get to that. Yeah. Okay, me first. I, I, we, we helped our son uh, get, get his, uh, and uh, we, we've got others in the pipeline. We, too, have 10 grandchildren. But another dream I have, and, and humor me, is that the whole world would study the Song of Songs. If I was Bruce, if I was Brian Almighty for one day, just, I'll tell you what, 10 minutes, just give me a couple minutes, I would make everyone wake up and say, I think I'll study the Song of Songs. I think I'll root my theology in the love message of a king that's ravished by a bride before we show perfection. He, he says we are flawless. And that we have a power to influence him for the nations. We can ask of him and he'll give us nations because we're his bride. And that the insecurity and the inferiority and the flaws that we focus on in ourselves and each other, that that would dissipate in the, in the light, the glistening glory of his words when he calls us my equal, my bride. Four times he says that. And I, I went out on a limb. I mean, a real limb. And I translated my, you know, it's my sister, my bride, is what most translations have. Maybe I'm the only one in the room, but kind of weird. <laughs> Aren't there laws against that? You know, I know this is 2021, but there isn't like, put sister over there and bride over there, but don't put them in the same sentence. So I'm asking God to help me. What is this? And I verified this with, with some of the top Hebrew scholars. It can be translated equal. My equal, my bride. So I, the first book I translated, sent it off to the publisher. Within a short time, he called me and said, we're not going to publish Song of Songs. I said, why? I thought we had a deal. He said, well, you're telling them four times. I was impressed that he had counted. You're telling the reader that they are equal to Jesus Christ. I about dropped the phone. I said, no, 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 no. I'm not telling him that. He is. <laughs> I wouldn't tell him that. He is. Almost two million copies later. The one book that is impacting so many hearts and lives from the emails that we get is the Song of the Ages, the greatest song ever. So what does it mean then? That we're, are, are you really saying that we're equal? We're not equal to God. That would be heresy. 
flat out. So although it's watching, <laughs> you don't need to hunt anymore for heresy. It's not heresy. We're not God. But I'll say it again. Jesus is human. And if God tells us not to unequally yoke ourselves, would he turn around and then let his son unequally yoke himself? No, he will marry a lookalike partner, a radiant bride. He'll split the sky for her. Believe me, he's going to come back not for a limping, anemic church that can barely make it because of the Antichrist smacking them right and left. He's coming back for a glorious bride, a radiant church, a lookalike partner, fit for a king, co-equal heir of the universe co-signer to the title deed. Everything he has, he'll share with us. I mean, our signature works, baby. We're, we're, we're in. You can't marry any more up than this. And the, the work of God right now on earth, and I know we could, you know, divide it up and, and, and rightly so, we can make all kinds of good teachings about it, but on a meta theme, what God is doing on earth today is preparing a bride for his son. It's all about a wedding. The church, the world, and the church is preparing for the end of the world. But heaven is preparing for a wedding. Just get into the spirit and let the angelic come into the room and convince you. It's all about a wedding, baby. Come out and look at him on the way to his wedding in Song of Songs. Uh, chapter 5, he's on his way. Come, you daughters of Zion. Come and look at your king. He's riding by on his chariot. The day of his great gladness is here. It's the day of his wedding. I was happy on my wedding day. I couldn't believe it. My wife was the most gorgeous. I should put her picture, the wedding picture. I, she had, I, she was like Snow White. Ah. The little bluebirds, you know, ah, the veil. It was that wedding. I could cry thinking about it. I shaved my beard for her for that wedding. <laughs> I did. She looks down there. Who's this guy? I mean, I had hair, lots. And, and anyway, <laughs> those were the days, my friend. I need somebody to plug me. <laughs> but the day of his wedding, the joy. I mean, if you think the angels rejoice when a believer, when some comes out of darkness, you know, and, and is the lost are found, and it causes the angels to rejoice, how much more when the bride makes herself ready, spotless, pure, There are two virgins in the Bible, Mary and the virgin bride. Both will give birth, but that's for another day. But there is a longing in the heart of God that we process this theology. You don't have to, like, you don't have to go buy our commentary on the Song of Songs or anything. You don't have to take my course online on the Song of Songs. It's okay. But you need to get the theology in your heart. 
I read 90 commentaries on the Song of Songs. Decided that we would write one ourselves. And then I got to translate it. I memorized it. And then I got to translate it from the, from the original Hebrew. I, I'm way past, and I mean this like I love you, okay? But I'm way past what you think about it or what you think about me and my infatuation with the Song of Songs. It has changed my life. It's changed my ministry. It's helped me to love people, to love my family. It's changed the deepest place of me has been healed. I got touched so wonderfully by a study of this book. And if I don't go over it every year or so, I, I start to get a little brittle. I don't know what much more I can say, but I'll come up with something. <laughs> but it says that he, he is all desires rolled into one. What you think of Jesus defines your life. It's who you truly are. It's not your flaws. You're not the sum total of your failures. You are the, the exquisite banqueting table of Jesus Christ. You're his love feast. It's funny, Song of Songs 1, and she talks about your name is this, and like flowing oil. Uh, you're, you, you ravish, you do all these things to my heart. I love you, Jesus. And then at the end, he's saying all those things over her. No human being could compose a book like this. There's something embedded in its pages that will change the most rotten of hearts. It can heal you. And of course, it'll overflow into your marriage. If you need that stuff, it'll, it, it'll happen. The book ends with a flame of fire, a solar flare of love over the heart of the bride. Did I tell you Shulamite and Solomon is the same Hebrew root word? One masculine, one feminine. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You're one with Jesus. That's the next stage of identity. Identity's good. We've had a holy fascination the last two decades, and, and it's, it's brought us where we are. And there, there's no denigration, or there's no diluting of that, not whatsoever. But the next stage, the next step up in this stairway of glory is union. It's union with Christ, that we are one with him. We're one with the three-in-one. That'll make an old guy dance, that I'm one with the three-in-one. The Trinity has brought me inside. I, I, don't, I can't explain it. Don't look at me like, I don't know. But I, I have Jesus, I have the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, and Jesus said, if I come into you, I'll, I and my Father will make our dwelling place with you. So I've got Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Isn't that the Trinity? Am I, am I leaving somebody out? Okay, so here I have a triune glory in me, and in a divine, glorious, if you want to use the word mystical, which look it up in the dictionary. It's not a, a naughty word. It's not a four-letter word. It's okay to use mystical. But a divine union has taken place where two have become one. And in this case, three have become one. Or four have become one. 
a holy quartet. And I don't know fully how to express it other than the, the, the dance around you, God, celebrates the fact that you woke up this morning. That's all you have to do. Like your eyelid fluttered open and God says, I like you. I love you. I'll give you everything you need. I am yours. I am yours. You ravish my heart. Just be sure you worship me and let me run the show. And the guilt-driven theology of not enough, that we've not done enough, that there's something more. If we just fast 41 days, I did that just because I was weird. I, everybody's fasting 40 days. Lou came through town. We did the call, New England, and way back in Boston. And, ah, and Lou was like skin and bones. I said, I'm going with you, brother. I learned one thing. No. <laughs> Never break a 41-day fast with pepperoni pizza. <laughs> oh, that's my Yoda moment here. <laughs> oh, if I'm red and blushing, it's because I am embarrassed over that. But, um, but you know, let's, let's pray 24-7. Let, let's, let's just weary ourselves with doing more for Jesus. When the whole book... Song of Songs starts with two words. You know what they are? Let him. Let him. There's no guilt-driven theology. There's no yoke of bondage. There's no religiosity. There's no duty. If you just do more, it's let him. If you could shrink the Bible to two words. Sorry. <laughs> Don't want to be shrunk. <laughs> Honey, I shrunk the kids. <laughs> That's perfect timing. I love that. You should travel with us wherever we go and cue the, you know, cue the cry. <laughs> I'm trying to have fun here. If you could shrink the Bible, try it again. If you could shrink the Bible to two words, I think let him would be the two I would pick. Let him. Let him. Get up tomorrow morning and let him. Let's let him, shall we? So this divine soliloquy, this symphony of love, this opera that's made for Broadway, and I hope to do that one day. It's another one of my dreams. This message of eight chapters of prophetic revelation, there's no rebuke in its pages. Because love will heal. Love will mature. And if a pastor or a church were to adopt the, the philosophy, the theology of the Song of Songs, it would be the most pleasant, glorious, joy-filled, loving house on the planet. So that's my five-hour sermon shrunk down to 45 minutes. Would you stand and let's pray together? How, how many of you would, would uh, just, you know, I guess to satisfy my curiosity, how many of you would indicate tonight, you know, I'm not one of those Song of Songs people. 
But you got me thinking. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll read it before I die. Maybe I'll take some time to read the Song of Songs. I love that. Thank you, guys, gals. Thank you. That's, that's really what I wanted more than anything tonight, is to kind of... Have you ever had, like, an appetizer, and you don't even want to eat the meal? The appetizer is so good. I, I wanted to bring you an appetizer. Uh, queso and chips with... You know, clams on the half shell. Uh, crab cake or, or stuffed mushrooms. Onion rings. And tater tots. I, I wanted to bring you something that would like, oh, there's something in me vibrating when I hear these words. When I, when I hear this guy up here talk about the Song of Songs, something in me is like, I know this is the Lord speaking. Father, I ask that you would sweep over us with greater waves of your love, that our glance would ravish your heart, that we could move you, that you have made yourself vulnerable to us, fallen humans. That you want to include us in the triune glory. What's that like? That a human being is inside the Trinity. And that human being is taking a bride. And let not the doctrines of men divide asunder what God has joined together. Two will become one. And in the trysting place of your heart, Lord, we want to come as lovers. We want to come into the cloud-filled chamber. We want the honey. We want milk and honey to pour out of our lips. For you find the promised land in us. Milk and honey. Give us words, Lord. Let my tongue be the pen of a ready writer. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing your praise. Let him kiss me. Melt the mountain of pride within me like wax until I'm nothing but a vessel for your love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you meet us where we are right now, each one of us. No condemnation. Who could be against us when you have offered us your Savior, our beloved? So meet us where we are right now, Lord, in our journey. Soften our heart. Heal our hearts. Prepare us for that wedding feast. Help us to invite others to join us. To win them with love. Not our failed arguments.
Help us to conquer your heart, God. What would it look like to Rahab, the heart of the Savior? Isn't it amazing? Rahab ended up in the genealogy of Jesus. She married a guy named Salmon. A little fishy, but he was okay. He was all right. He got in there. He's in the genealogy. That's true. It's Bible. Middle school Bible humor, sorry. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love Bethel. I even love Chris Valentin, Lord. You've given us a love for him. And Kathy and his kids and grandkids, bless them, Lord. I know he's going to bring a message to knock the sound stuff off the walls when he preaches tomorrow. Thank you, God. Thank you for Bethel, Austin. Thank you for this building. Thank you, God, for the carpet. Thank you for the microphones and the worship people. Thank you for the projector. Where is that? Puts. Thank you for the sign on the building. Wasn't that cool? I pull up here and there's a Bethel sign on the building. How, do you, how did you make the sign in like a week? Thank you, God for the money, for the giving of the people. Thank you for the generosity of so many people, some of them hidden, some of them maybe $100, but everyone that gave and supported and, and, and put us here in this building. Thank you, God. Thank you for the chairs and children's ministry and the office that looks so hipster cool. Thank you for Joaquin and Renee, God, and their precious family. Thank you for their sacrifice. A lot of sleepless hours and a lot of intercession and just a lot of hard work to be in this building. So, Lord, we lift our hands to you and we say thank you for your love. Thank you. Establish us in your ways. Establish us in the love of God. Establish this congregation. This is the smallest you'll ever be, so enjoy it now. You'll never be this small again. You say, well, man, you're just into numbers. God has a book in the Bible called Numbers. <laughs> Tell him. But Lord, we thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do. The children are going to get blessed and baptized. Thank you for the baptisms that's going to be here. A glory baptism somewhere. For the weddings that are going to be here. We may have to get a center aisle or something, but thank you, God. For the couples are going to meet in here like Lady and the Tramp sitting on the same row and they look at each other. They fall in love and they get engaged the same night. <laughs> I'm a little romantic. Sorry about that. You know, my, my church, they loved me, but they had one issue with me. They said, Pastor Brian, you don't do closings. I said, I'm not a realtor. 
I do fillings. I want to be a holy dentist. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance. The shining presence, the Shekinah, the Shakan of heaven. Let his glory rest upon you. And may he draw you in. May he win your heart. Convince you of, your, of his love for you. And may he give you Shabbat Shalom. May he give you a shalom. A, a shalom that is, uh, there's a hundred meanings to that word. Peace is one, but there's so many more. Nothing broken, nothing missing, nothing lacking. Everything satisfied. May he give you that shalom. In the great and glorious name of our Savior, our Bridegroom King, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.